You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, a full breakdown of the Jets' season-opening loss to the Ducks and a look ahead to the game in San Jose. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, damn it. <laughs> that, that one sucked, especially when you gotta stay up late to catch these California games. It's like torture. I mean, I, I'd rather get waterboarded than watch another 9 p.m. start time during the week. So either way, that wasn't the ideal start to the season that the Jets were looking for. Instead, a very disappointing 4-1 loss to the Anaheim Ducks. Seeing a ton of overreaction all over the place, which I actually love. I mean, I, I love the passion. It's great. It's hard not to overreact after one game because that's all we've seen so far. But we'll break it all down here and then we'll figure out what was just maybe a, a blip on the radar or if there is anything that maybe we should be concerned about after just one game of 82 for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, despite the loss... And despite the early two-goal deficit, I actually thought the Jets were pretty damn good five-on-five. That that was the big question mark, I guess, going into the season as far as could this team legitimately revamp the way that they play and be more sound, more structured in essentially all three phases of the ice. And hey, early returns on that, even with it being against a likely-to-be bad Anaheim Ducks team, the Jets controlled play five-on-five. And that's something they've struggled to do for a number of seasons now. So, hey, bad opponent, first game of the year, to me, doesn't matter. The Jets were able to at least turn the tide a little bit when it came to that department. And how did they do it? I mean, I think it was pretty similar to the way that Paul Maurice coached Jets teams in the past have had success at even strength. And that's being aggressive all over the ice, with or without the puck. I think maybe the most noticeable part of that was, and this was something everybody was hoping would take place, but the play of the New Look Defense Corps. I mean, all three pairings, I thought, were aggressive in either jumping up into the play, trying to get into the rush, maybe even being that first guy driving to the net on a three-on-two or a three-on-three. And then when Anaheim had the puck, we saw pinches in the defense, or sorry, pinches in the offensive zone, we saw players jump up in the neutral zone as well. It might take a while for this to gel completely, just with all the moving pieces that are in the Jets lineup right now, but at least the early returns on, you know, can this team play better and perform better 5-on-5, five five, I think 
you know, despite the loss and despite being outscored even five on five in the game, I think you have to say overwhelmingly that was a good first step. So we'll keep an eye on that as the Jets move forward in their season. But when you're trying to find positives out of a loss, being good five on five for a Jets team without their number one center, I think that's a, a pretty good start in that department, at least. Now, mention Mark Shifley not being in the lineup for this one. What were the ripple effects of that? What did the lineup look like and how did each line perform up front for the Jets? Well, let's start with the top line. Paul Stasny obviously getting the call up to play beside Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor. I thought a bit of a mixed bag, right? I mean, hey, look, they scored the only goal of the night and, and it was a great play off the rush. The pass from Wheeler to Connor for the one-timer. So look, that that is a major positive, obviously. But defensively, there were major concerns. And I guess the nice way to say this is that Blake Wheeler did not have his best game as a Winnipeg Jet. I, I mean, it was evident to everybody that watched. And, and I mean, he was one of the trending topics after the game was just the, the play of the captain. Because he wasn't good. He, he had an awful game. You know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Blake Wheeler was pretty brutal against the Anaheim Ducks despite setting up the Kyle Connor goal. I mean, there were a number of different turnovers, missed passes. I mean, the decision-making on the power play was questionable as well. This is the the overreaction part of, of losing the, the season opener that is always tough to jump on, right? Because, look, we all know Blake Wheeler is on the downswing of his career, and there's the regression and, and everything that goes along with it. But... There is the chance that, you know, as a, as a vet and somebody that didn't play a ton of preseason action that you, you kind of need a game or two to shake off the cobwebs and, and get back into the flow of things. So I'm not going to jump off the ledge just yet when it comes to Blake Wheeler. But, you know, as it is with forwards making big money in their mid to late 30s, it, it's something we have to keep an eye on. But there's no doubt he was not great in game one. But then again, he was not great in the first 10, 15 games to kick off last season and then the end of the year was much much more what we've been accustomed to seeing out of Blake Wheeler so might be a slow starter might be the beginning of the end we don't know just yet I'm not going to make a decision one way or the other but obviously uh let's hope Blake Wheeler has a a little bit better performances as we move forward here uh the second line to me was probably the best line of the night for the Jets Cop Dubois and Ehlers I wonder how many nights we're going to say that this year, to be honest, even when Mark Shifley does return to the lineup. I mean, Nick Ehlers, as usual, was his dangerous self all over the ice. I mean, he was toying with the Ducks at points and he made the young kid Drysdale look pretty foolish on a on a four on four play inside Anaheim zone. But despite not scoring, I thought Ehlers was consistently the team's most dangerous player. He looks great. No reason to be concerned whatsoever there. I thought Andrew Cobb was pretty damn good as well. And, you know, I saw some people upset with Pierre-Luc Dubois' game, but I, I thought he was fine. I, I didn't really see any any issues with his play in the game. Uh, maybe you would like to see him be a bit more aggressive. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Dubois, and we saw this a bit in the preseason, to be fair, but I wouldn't mind seeing this in the regular season to take a page out of Andrew Cobb's book and drive hard to the net, even if you do potentially get a goalie interference penalty like Andrew Kopp got on, on the play in the third period there. Like, to me, that's what's going to make Pierre-Luc Dubois the best version of himself this season, is, is being aggressive and using his speed and his size to get into those dangerous areas right in front of the net. That would be maybe my my only issue with his play in the game, was you know maybe a, a somewhat lack of aggressiveness. 
But all in all, a pretty impressive performance from that line. So good opening returns there. Now, the third line, interestingly enough, was maybe the one that Jets fans were keen to keep their most of their focus on all game. And that's because it was Cole Perfetti making his NHL debut. Pardon the puberty there. <laughs> Cole Perfetti making his NHL debut, skating on a line with Adam Lowry and Jansen Harkins. Now, Lowry and Harkins, I thought were good in the game. But we don't really care about that right now. We want to talk about Cole Perfetti's debut. And again, let's not, the same way I, I hesitate to overreact on Blake Wheeler's poor game, I don't want to overreact too much on what I thought was a damn good debut for the kid. I, I thought, look, I think Cole Perfetti's ready. I, I think he is an NHL player right now. Now, is he a top six or a top nine guy? Well, maybe we'll have some games to make a decision on that, but he didn't look overwhelmed whatsoever by either the speed or the physicality of the game. And, and that's always important with these young kids that come in, right? I, I mean, they have the skill, and they can make plays with the puck when they have time and space to work with. But what are they doing out there? Whether they have the puck or they don't have the puck, how are they flowing with the game? How are they moving with the speed and the size of NHL players for the first time in their lives? And I didn't think Cole Perfetti looked out of place whatsoever. I mean, I noticed he actually won a puck battle or was able to shield the puck from Ryan Getzlaff, who put his body into him. And gets hey, look, Getzlaff isn't fleet of foot, and he's not the player he once was, but he's still a pretty solid physical presence, and it was really neat to see Cole Perfetti not push him away, but at least keep and, and maintain the puck while going up against a longtime NHLer like that. There was another play against an Anaheim defenseman later on in the game where Cole Perfetti did a good job of maintaining control of the puck and, and trying to set up a play. He was at least created a couple dangerous chances, had a nice one on the rush, just had his shot deflected at the last second there. I'm not going to say he's a no doubt about a top six guy for the rest of the season, but he's definitely one of this organization's 12 best forwards. Now, the debate's going to be what's best for his development and growth this year. Is it playing third or fourth line minutes in the NHL, or is it playing 20 plus minutes a night First-line power play, all the responsibilities down at the AHL level. To me, that's a question we can circle back on in a couple of games because I think Cole Perfetti has earned a chance to play a little bit more in the lineup right now. It's going to depend on how many minutes he gets, but I think it's very, very positive that at, what is he, 20 years old now, just turned 20, you know, Cole Perfetti is an NHL player right now. The sky's the limit for him. He's going to be a top-six guy if not by the end of this season, definitely next season. But the fact that he could play on the third line right now, that is awesome. And that's a great, great optimistic start for his second pro season. So great job by Cole Perfetti in the loss to Anaheim. The fourth line, I, I thought the fourth line was was fine, right? I mean, they didn't give up a whole lot, and, and that's the main thing <laughs> that you're going to ask out of this fourth line this season. But I didn't think they generated a whole lot either. So all in all... Uh, Solid to okay performance from the fourth line there. We'll get to the new look defense pairs and, and who stood out and maybe who had an off night in just a second. But do want to mention quickly a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. The NHL season is underway and another week of the NFL season means another shot for you to win big with DraftKings. The new deal. You bet just $1 on any NFL game. And you win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Not win, lose, touchdown, field goal. 
one point gets you $100 in free bets. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province just yet, remember, huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so the decor. First time we get to see the new look pairs in regular season action. Now, the most interesting part to me actually came after the game, just checking out the time on ice splits for all three, and very evident that there is a top pair in Winnipeg right now, a second and a third pair. Because Josh Morrissey and Nate Schmidt played just about six minutes more than Neil Pionk and Brendan Dillon did. The two roughly got around 24 minutes in that game against Anaheim. So, looks like right off the bat, Paul Maurice's plan is to lean on Morrissey and Schmidt as the team's top defensive pairing. I still maintain that I think Pionk Dillon is this this team's best defensive pairing right now. Having said that, though, they both played good in the opener. And and Morrissey and Schmidt, I mean, by the by the analytics, were pretty damn sterling. I mean, they were by far the team's uh, leaders in terms of, of shots for and chances for and everything like that, taking quality and quantity into account. They were really good by that measure. You know, I think it's been pretty evident over the last two years that Josh Morrissey needs a puck mover beside him. A guy that can be the primary, whether it's distributing the puck or just carrying it up the ice. He needs somebody like that beside him to have success. And Nate Schmidt delivered in spades doing that. I I think, and it wasn't even that Josh Morrissey, you know, just passed the puck over to Schmidt and watched him do all the work. He was more than capable of, of moving the puck up the ice himself as well. But it's just that having that option having the fallback beside him in Nate Schmidt is going to go a long way I think at least in getting Josh Morrissey back to the player that he was a couple of seasons ago so I think all in all those two performed really really well that might have been I mean maybe the most promising development of the night for the team outside of Cole Perfetti's debut is that Schmidt and Morrissey passed the early test so that was great to see I thought Dylan and Pionk were good as well maybe outside the second goal a bit of a messy coverage right out in front of Connor Hellebuck but other than that, I think they performed about as well as and, and about as how we all expected them to. And and Dylan himself in particular. I mean, the physicality was obviously there, right? With the two monster hits, one on Delorier, one on some other duck that I haven't heard of before. Uh, but again, he's not afraid whatsoever to jump into the play and make aggressive moves with the puck. And I, again, I'm impressed by his offensive instincts there. And Neil Pionk, I mean, he might be one of the league's best defensemen defending on the rush there were a couple of really really noticeable plays from him where a duck is trying to gain the zone trying to make a move towards the net and he makes it look like a child's play directs them into the corner gets the puck going back the other way I I love watching Neil Pionk play and when he's defending off the rush that might be actually despite his size when he's at his best Stanley DeMello to me was not as good as I would hope for I I think Logan Stanley didn't have his best game I I thought Dylan DeMello looked all right I, I don't really have a t- 
ton of concern for those two, though. I think as far as third pairings go, they're still going to be amongst the best in the entire NHL. Just not the best game for both of those against the Ducks. So that's how the team looked 5-on-5. Five 5-on-5 five. Five five was okay. The game was very clearly lost if you watched it. Was lost on special teams by the Winnipeg Jets on, on both sides of the equation. 0 for 5 on the power play, and I believe they gave up two goals and five chances on the penalty kill. So that right there is ball game. Now to me here, there's a cause for concern, and then I think we can brush aside one of the two units. Now the power play to me might have looked impressive if you just looked at the stat sheet and saw the amount of shots that they were throwing towards John Gibson. Now Gibson did have to make some good saves. But a lot of those were from way far out, whether it was, you know, Pionk at the point or slow passes to either Wheeler or Connor for one-timers on their offsides. I didn't think they really, I didn't think the Jets power play really made John Gibson work all that hard to make stops. He made a really good one on Josh Morrissey inside on the power play. But other than a chance here or there, it was kind of depressing, honestly, watching the Jets power play in action. So 0 for 5, but to me, no reason for concern. Why is that? I mean, that's not how the power play is going to look <laughs> once the rest of the season moves along here. Game two for the Sharks. Obviously, Mark Shifley is back. To me, we can't even judge the power play until Mark Shifley enters the number one unit. So I, I really have no concern just yet. We're going to see basically a complete rejigging headed into that game in San Jose. So 0 for 5 sucks of the night. But I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of 0 for 5s for the Jets for the rest of the season. I think once Shifley comes back, and maybe we see Dubois move back to the Nikolai Ehlers power play unit, we'll see the man advantage start to rack up some goals. The penalty kill, though, is another issue. And this has been kind of a bugaboo for me with this team for a number of years now. I mean, I don't think we're going to see a, a great penalty kill from the Winnipeg Jets this year. But it could be good to league average. And that's, you know, sometimes on the penalty kill, that's just fine as long as you're not in the bottom 10. But again, I just, I don't love the passive penalty kill that the Jets have found themselves employing these past couple of seasons. I, I, for me, on the penalty kill, I'm all about aggression. I don't want to give any time and space to the opposition. I'm not necessarily looking on making life easy for Connor Hellebuck. I don't want Connor Hellebuck to face a shot on the penalty kill. That, to me, is always the best defense, no matter who your goalie is. I would love to see more pressure on the puck carriers, but the Jets do like to fall back a little bit, and we saw the Anaheim Ducks take advantage on a nice deflection and then another play to ice it in the third period there. I'm just not a fan of passive penalty kills, and I do have some concerns that this lack of aggression... It's going to bite them in the ass sometime later on in the season when they really need a penalty kill to step up. So, I mean, special teams, clearly the difference in the game last night. The penalty kill, we'll keep an eye on that. The power play, though, I think is going to be just fine moving forward. Now, I feel like I've been pretty positive breaking down the 4-1 loss for the Jets against the Ducks. You know, I haven't focused too much on the negative here. But there is something that happened in the game that's happened time and time again, and it just... It pisses me off, and I don't understand why it happens over and over again. And to me, it's a 100% legitimate criticism of, of Paul Maurice as a head coach. But looking at the time on ice, you know, Morrissey Schmidt, five minutes more than Dylan and Pionk, you know, what? whatever. They played really good in the game. I, you could make the case that they deserved a more even split, but that, that thing I'm all right with. 
But again, Nikolai Ehlers being fifth in time on ice amongst forwards, even strength last night, makes beyond zero sense. It makes zero sense when Mark Shifley's in the lineup. It makes even less sense when you don't have your number one center in the lineup. I just don't get it. I mean, to me, he's the team's best player. At, at worst, he's the team's second best forward, right? And I, I just don't know how many teams in the NHL play their best or second best forward the fourth or fifth most amount of minutes each and every game. It, it just happened time and time again. And I I don't understand why this continues to go on for the Winnipeg Jets. I, I just think it's hurting the club. Like For me, Nikolai Ehlers should be a no doubt about it. 20 minutes a night guy every single night, barring a blowout. And it's even tougher when you watch the game and you see that Blake Wheeler is struggling in the contest, that he's playing a minute or two minutes more than Nikolai Ehlers is, right? Like that, that to me is the one thing that needs to change it. It may be a well five or ten games into the season. But as it stands right now, Nick Ehlers is this team's best right winger. He should be playing ahead of Blake Wheeler. He should be getting more minutes than Blake Wheeler. And I think it would help the captain to lessen the amount of time, the amount of minutes that he's getting each and every night, trying to avoid the wear and tear as the grind of the season moves along here. So I, I don't have a lot of faith, honestly, right now that that's going to change moving forward here. It's just frustrating to watch because after the season that he had last year, that should have put to bed any debate about whether or not you shelter Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, that's just a guy that you put out there the same way Sheldon Keefe throws Mitch Marner out for 22-plus minutes a night. I think Nikolai Ehlers needs to be given that recognition now, and it's only going to make the Winnipeg Jets a better hockey club. And who knows? Maybe it'll happen Saturday night in San Jose. I don't have my hopes up for it, but you never know. Speaking of Saturday night in San Jose, as we wrap it up, we'll take a look ahead to the game, the next game for the Jets, up against the Sharks. Another late one, but at least it's a Saturday night, so that's okay. I, I guess the thing that I'm going to be looking forward to here is what the lineup is. That's kind of the main thing here because I don't believe the Sharks have hit the ice just yet. But Mark Shafley, suspension, now finished. We'll finally get a look at what, you know, a fully healthy, loaded Winnipeg Jets forward lineup is going to look like. And the big question is going to be after he looked so solid in season in his NHL debut... Where Cole Perfetti is going to line up in Game 2 for the Winnipeg Jets. To me, it's a no-brainer that he gets and remains into the lineup. I don't really see a reason why you would take Cole Perfetti out of the lineup. Because, you know, if you look at a couple of the wingers on the fourth line, I didn't think they were bad or anything. But I'm not taking Svechnikov or Veselainen. I'm not taking Perfetti out of the lineup for either Svechnikov or Veselainen. So some potential lineups that I wonder if we see in this game... I mean, to me, Shifley, Connor, Wheeler, whether you like it or not, is going to be the team's top line in that game. I believe the fourth line is going to be some combination of Riley Nash in the middle with Jansen Harkins and then either Sveshnikov or Veselainen on the right side. Now, what do we do with the middle six is going to be the intriguing part with Cole Perfetti because there's two options here. The first is the one where if we want to get a little spicy and maybe see what the young kid could do, you could put Cole Perfetti up on the second line and have a line of Dubois, Ehlers, and Perfetti. A third line, maybe like the tried, true, tested one of Cop, Lowry, and Stasny. You feel really good about the third line. The second one, I think, 
is one that just has a ton of intrigue in it. And as a fan, that's one I would love to see happen. I don't I don't think we're going to see Paul Maurice do that, though. But wouldn't that be something to see what Cole Perfetti could do playing beside Nikolai Ehlers? I would love to see that happen, but I don't think that's going to be the case. What I do expect to happen is we see the top six remain the same as it has all preseason and training camp. Shafley, Connor Wheeler, Dubois, Ehlers, Cop, and then Stasny, Lowry, and Perfetti as the team's third line. I, I don't even mind that either, necessarily. I, I would love... I think Cole Perfetti would play really well off of Paul Stasny, actually. And and just to have the ability, you know, even just to have the ability on the bench, you know, to pick Paul Stasny's brain and ask him questions. I, I think that's, a, you know, a really neat thing and something that Cole Perfetti could use to his advantage big time this year. I'd be okay with that, too, to be honest. But it's hard not to look at, you know, Dubois, Ehlers, Perfetti and think, oh, what could be with that line? That That might be... That might be the only way to to wash away the pain of that loss to the Ducks is to have Perfetti Dubois and Healers on line two to start game two against San Jose. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. I'm not expecting it, but it is pretty awesome that no matter what, you know, Cole Perfetti has earned himself a spot to grab another game and maybe stake another claim to grab it a full-time spot on the NHL roster for the rest of the season. So we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll also make that the final part of today's episode. We'll wrap it up from there. We're back on Tuesday. Again, we'll break down that game against the San Jose Sharks. A bit of a road trip for the Jets to start off the year. And then we'll get ready for one more road contest before they come back home. Minnesota on tap for Tuesday night. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Jets game Saturday night. Peace.